Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women who are unafraid to age out loud. We have a fantastic show today. We are diving into all things sexual health and wellness and what can get in the way of intimacy with Jackie Gianelli. Jackie is a board certified nurse practitioner with a special focus on menopause, urogynecology, and women's sexual health. She is also an advisor to Electra Health, a modern healthcare company focused on smashing the menopause taboo and offering science-backed education, care, and community to women everywhere. Welcome, Jackie. Thanks for having me, Katie. I'm excited. I'm excited because all month long on the show, we are exploring relationships from a variety of angles. You know, and sex and intimacy is obviously a biggie. But the changes yeah. of midlife, right, perimenopause, menopause, can impact intimacy and pleasure. What are some of the main concerns you hear from patients in the Electra Health community? That's a great point, right? So the intersection of menopause and women's sexual health is exactly where I love to be. Um, and so, yeah, I, I hear from and take care of so many women in this phase of life. And the most common, um, probably the top two concerns that women have and that they come to me with are issues with sexual drive or libido. Um, and the second would probably be issues with um, sexual pain. So pain with intercourse or other types of pain um, of the vulvovaginal tissues. Okay, so these are these are two things that we need to fix because you know we're we're in midlife. We want our sex life to uh, see us through the long haul. Let's start with low libido because both body changes and, and mindset, right, can affect li li libido. Maybe we'll start with uh, the body and hormones to begin with, and then move to mindset. What are some of the challenges? What are some of the fixes that you you offer patients struggling with this? Yeah, so this is a time where, especially for women in perimenopause, um, hormones are sort of all over the place. They are up, they are down. It is a roller coaster, and women don't feel like themselves. Um, in particular, you know, progesterone and estrogen are sort of, you know, trucking along during the reproductive <laughs> years. And then all of a sudden, perimenopause hits. Um, like a ton of bricks and these two hormones, you know, start to really just, just, you know, tank and women feel that acutely um, in combination with estrogen and progesterone falling testosterone, which is another important female hormone, although many, many people don't acknowledge it as such um, is also not precipitously falling, but has been falling and is probably at one of its lowest points, you know, in and around the menopause transition. So now you have three hormones that were, you know, sustaining one's sexual life previously that are now either in flux or are low. And women really feel that they feel that in their, you know, in their brain, which is our biggest sex organ, we have receptors for all three hormones really in every organ of our body. So this is not just a physical symptom. It is also an emotional symptom, a cognitive symptom. And it, like you said, it can be, you know, multifactorial as well. So when I look at women who are coming to me with these concerns, I really try to take a holistic approach, look at, you know, their hormonal health. Um, you know, sometimes I do check testosterone levels on women who come to me, you know, complaining of a lack of desire that is also distressing, right? That's an important point to make. You can not have a libido and not care. And right. there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make you needing to be fixed, right? But many women are coming to me because they are looking for a solution. And it is that feeling of distress, that feeling of like, I want to want it. I used to love this. 
this is important to me. Um, I don't feel like myself. This is my relationship, you know, is suffering as a result. And so I really try to look at not only hormones, but also other factors, which we can get into, of course, about why um, libido might be a problem. Yeah, I'm so excited to dive into all of this. So it, it, when you, you you talk about, you know, when, when estrogen and progesterone and even testosterone start to deplete in a woman's body as you naturally stop producing it as you age, you know, are you, do you recommend hormone replacement therapy? Are there, what are some of the, um, you know, is it, is it taking creams? Is it taking supplements? What are some of the fixes that a woman should consider? Yeah. So we, we like to offer at Electra Health really just the, the full depth and breadth, breadth of options. And many women aren't ready for hormone replacement therapy or really just don't need it and want to start with a more lifestyle-based approach or are more comfortable trying some supplements first. You know, I never promise women that any of those things are going to, you know, restore them to their fullest potential, but certainly they are worth trying in some women. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am a big fan of testosterone replacement therapy for women in which it is appropriate. And testosterone replacement therapy unfortunately is not something that the FDA recognizes um, at this time. I think there's only one country in the world, and I think it's Australia that recently, um, you know, approved it for women um, who are in late perimenopause through menopause transition. Um, But unfortunately, in this country, we're still contending with that. So women are, um, you know, looking for providers who understand how to use testosterone replacement therapy safely. We're not, when we give it, trying to, you know, raise levels to that, which a man would have, right? We are actually just trying to restore them to what would be happy, healthy, physiologic testosterone levels for women. Um, And when we do that, we always start with the expectation that this is not going to change the person that you are. This is not going to make you feel like a different person. In fact, you might not necessarily notice anything at first. So I always counsel women that way because I don't want women to think that this is like a cure-all. But what it does do, um, testosterone replacement therapy specifically, um, is sort of fill up the gas tank of the car, right? You need, if your car is on empty and you put your foot on the gas pedal, it's just going to sputter and spur and you're not going to go anywhere. But if your gas tank is full, that's amazing. Now you're set up for success, but your foot still has to go on that gas pedal and it still has to make the car go. So in saying that, I'm really, you know, telling women that they're a partner in this and that they, there's still a lot on the back end that they're going to have to work on emotionally, behaviorally, within their relationship, within the way they view themselves. But all of that work will be so much easier because they'll have the hormonal support they need to get the job done. Yeah, they have um, that juice that you're talking about. I, you know, this is so fascinating because when you Google low libido in women, you get a zillion hits, and a lot of them are on testosterone therapy. You know, for mm-hmm. those of us that that's this is new to, uh, what does that look like? Is it is it a pill? Is it like an oral supplement? Is it something that you're using vaginally? Walk us through what testosterone therapy is. You know, or maybe what are the pros and cons? Yeah, all great questions. So, the you know the the way that we like to give testosterone replacement therapy to women, and this is the way that the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health, ISWISH, which is a you know, society that you know, we, we adhere to their guidelines, along with NAMS, North American Menopause Society, they put out a consensus statement for providers because there's all of this, you know, just kind of these, these companies out there that are taking advantage of women who want to feel better, who do need testosterone replacement therapy, but are 
taking advantage of the fact that they don't know where to go and are taking their cash and giving them doses that are way too high, um, often in the form of implantable, you know, hormonal pellets, which are, you know, last three months and raise levels to way higher than what would be considered physiologic. So the way that, that we do it in practice is with testosterone gel. We actually just use the same stuff. I do at least there's a couple ways to do this, but a great way to do it is just to use the testosterone 1% gel that the guys can use, but just use a lower dosage of it. Use less of it. Um, women need and about where, one. And where are you using it, Jackie? <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a gel. <laughs> like, like you really just rub into your thigh. You just oh, rub okay, it on, cool. rub it on in. Yep. Yeah. Once a day, every day. Um, and, you, you know, over time, usually about eight to 10 weeks, we start to check some blood levels and see, you know, have they risen um, are they in the range we want them to be in? How are you feeling? You know, are you having any potential side effects? You asked about side effects. Um, when we were, when levels are in a good, happy range, women should probably not have too many side effects. Yes, maybe they'll get an extra pimple on their chin, or maybe they can get some darkening of the hair, especially where the gel is being rubbed in. We do see that sometimes. But that's it for the most part. However, if levels get too high, you can start to see some pretty, you know, yucky stuff like um, becoming really irritable or angry or, you know, getting vocal deepening even at really super high levels or changes, you know, changes in lipids. So we do always monitor women who are taking testosterone replacement therapy you know, over the course of the year, a few times a year, checking in with them, drawing some blood work, making sure that things are still good and that they feel good. Right. So this makes so much sense to work with a with a practitioner who knows what they're doing versus taking these pellets that are being maybe hawked to you over, you know, Instagram and the internet. This is, this is so fascinating. I want to come uh, to cover low libido in terms of mindset and lifestyle factors and how they can impact uh, both desire and libido. Uh, we're going to be taking a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to dive right into that. Beauties, spring is around the corner, and I am all in on making it through winter and feeling my best. For me, self-care is sleep, reading, hot yoga, and hot baths. And thanks to our friends at Kindra, my bath routine has a serious upgrade. You've heard me talk about Kindra's line of estrogen-free menopause essentials, including supplements for hot flashes and better sleep. Kindra has a new product, a soothing bath soak, formulated for a boost of hydration and moisture. It's ideal for sensitive dry skin like mine. Plus, it's made with nourishing botanical extracts and without irritating preservatives, soaps, or fragrances that can disrupt the pH balance of intimate skin. You can try Kindra's Bath Soak or any menopause essential for 20% off using my code KATIE20 at checkout. Head to OurKindra.com to reinvest in your self-care essentials. Okay, Jackie, we're back from our break. You you shared uh, testosterone therapy can be one solution to help with low libido. You mentioned that women's libido and sex drive is really multi-factor and that mindset, our brain is an enormous component and also lifestyle factors affect libido. Let's Let's start with mindset. How does that affect desire, orgasm? What are some of the issues that women come to you with? Because I know that in, in midlife, sometimes people become, uh, you know, maybe less orgasmic. What do you hear from patients? What do you recommend if that's an issue? Definitely. So this is big because women come into our offices with a lot of deep shame and guilt 
and discomfort around even just discussing their sexuality in any way. And women have a hard time thinking of themselves sexually without being in, you know, without being in relation to another person and to their partner. Um, And we really try to reframe that from the get go. So sex doesn't have to mean sex with the partner. It can absolutely mean sex with self. And Oftentimes, that's the place to start because many women don't know what turns them on, what they like, um, and are not necessarily comfortable exploring that. So we really work with them um, to unpack some of that and reframe some of the messaging around that. Is this like a pop culture thing or a family thing or a religion thing? Like, why do you think women are, you know, and I I relate to what you're saying. What do you think are some of the issues that that cause women to, you know, feel a sense of shame or maybe be out of touch with their own desire? I think all of the above. I mean, certainly there are some religions that do, um, you know, vilify women's sexuality or want women to be, you know, we tell women to be sexy, but not to be sexual. Um, So there's a lot of conflicting messaging. Um, Fortunately, I'm seeing the younger generations really, you know, kind of buck all that and really, you know, be more own their sexuality a little bit more. So that is that is nice to see from, you know, the younger patients I'm coming in contact with. But religion, absolutely. Um, The idea that, you know, sex is just for reproducing and nothing else, you know, does not do any justice to the fact that women have a clitoris, which is the only organ in either the male or female body that is designed exclusively for pleasure and nothing else, which is pretty incredible. Um, and we don't teach women at all what's down there. They don't know their own anatomy. Women, I see women in their fifties and sixties who don't even know where, you know, that what their vulva is, what the difference is between a vulva and a vagina. We don't use the correct terms when speaking about it. We tell our little girls, you know, we make up names for their vagina. That's anything but that. So it starts young. Um, many of our, you know, parents didn't have conversations with us or didn't really, you know, frame sexuality in a way that was positive in the home. So it, it is just trickled from the time that a, that a little girl is, you know, young through, you know, through adulthood. And so we we can't really be that surprised that women are not really sure what to do with their own bodies in a way. So for Um, a listener right now who's thinking, you know, enough is enough. Like I want to be better, smarter about understanding my body, my biology, you know, how it all works. Where would you direct them? I mean, I would direct them for sure to, um, to Electra Health because we have a whole, you know, module on women's sexual health. Um, I would have them look through, if they're looking for care or just to learn more, you know, about themselves from a physical perspective, there's a whole group of providers that belong to the society, you know, ISWISH, which I'm a member of. And I encourage people to look through that list and look who's in your area code or your zip code rather, and, um, and see, you know, who is committed to this area of medicine, because I'll tell you, gynecologists get absolutely zero training in this. So the folks that have dedicated their careers to serving women's sexual health, and I don't just mean like STDs, I mean, desire, arousal, orgasm, libido, you know, pain, all these things um, that are outside of the box still for GYNs, um, they, they really, they love this stuff and they want to help women and they're out there. But I think it's really, you know, something that a woman has to actively seek out and she should feel empowered to do so because these conversations that we have in the office are open, they're honest and women 
leave and they like breathe a sigh of relief that they could just speak so freely and talk about this with somebody when they were probably holding in these thoughts and feelings sometimes for decades. It's so fascinating because I think, you know, as a woman who's been seeing a gynecologist since, you know, I was a, a late teen, I have three children, you know, it would never have occurred to me that the doctor that was helping me care for my like euphemism alert lady parts, which I know, you know, my vagina, all that stuff it would never have occurred to me that they wouldn't be caring about this other component, you know, that, that, and you're right. Like I, when I think about the, uh, I'm in a wonderful practice right now with uh, pr- providers that do care and that do ask things like uh, questions like that. But I, you know, I had three kids and nobody ever mentioned to me like pelvic floor therapy afterwards, or nobody ever asked me really like how my sex life was after I had kids. Um, and it, it, it's fascinating to me that, 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 that doctors don't just that it's not like a 360 care for um, your intimate life and, and your, um, you know, like your physiology. So what are some of the lifestyle factors that affect uh, libido? Because we talked, we talked a little bit about mindset, some of the cultural messages, maybe family messages, religious messages. But there are lifestyle factors that can af- affect libido, stress, sleep. What do you hear from patients and what do you recommend if somebody really wants to be more thoughtful about setting up themselves up for uh, sexual desire? Great question. So yes, you're right. Stress and sleep. You you, nailed, you answered the question for me pretty much. Although I, I, I want to hear deep. more from you though. <laughs> <laughs> sleep is probably the number one um, thing that gets in the way of, um, you know, aside from hormones of women's libido. Um, we there's, there's science and research to show that women who are not sleeping have no interest in sex because, you know, you're exhausted. Desire. You're exhausted. Yeah, but- you're exhausted. And, you know, when you're exhausted, you're just not, you're not prioritizing pleasure, right? In order to prioritize pleasure, you have to be in your parasympathetic nervous system, which is that rest and digest mode. So, I mean, women need, oftentimes when we're in our home, right, we're, that's with our families around us, like we are in go mode. We are trying to, we're like the, you know, the orchestrator of all things in the home. And so it is hard to prioritize pleasure when there's all these other things to do. Um, so one strategy that we really like for women who are um, wanting to get back to sex, but don't really know how, or maybe they and their, you know, their partner have, had a hard time and they've sort of fallen fallen out of a routine with how, you know, sex happens or when it happens or where it happens. And this is going to sound completely unsexy, but <laughs> hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. Scheduling sex for couples who want to start to repair the sexual relationship and get back to it, but need and have different levels of desire, right? For just because this is, you know, the overwhelming majority of what I see, typically the woman comes to me saying, I, you know, have no desire. My partner has this high desire, although I want to acknowledge that that's not always the case. Um, A great way to sort of bridge the gap is to say, okay, we are going to, and actually it's a contract. So both people have to agree to this and it needs to be a conversation that's had, but to schedule sex, you choose a frequency, you know, that works for you both. So let's just say it's once per week and you decide that on Friday night at 5 PM, you guys are, you know, going to schedule sex. And now that doesn't have to be intercourse. That can be any sex. It can be mutual masturbation. It can be whatever you guys decide you want it to be. But what that does, that contract is number one, gives the lower desire partner the peace of mind that she, in this case, is not going to be asked 14 times a day by the higher desire partner all week for sex. 
because that is a turnoff to her, right? She doesn't want that constant pressure of having to like always, you know, have that, that voice over her shoulder. So that's one thing that she gets. The thing that the higher desire partner gets is that he, in this case, knows it's going to happen. He knows it's going to happen. He knows when it's going to happen and he can stop like worrying and wondering. And what that allows for is the ability to have intimacy during the time you're not scheduled for sex that has nothing to do with sex. So you might just pass by your partner and give them a little kiss on the cheek or, you know, hold their hand somewhere or sit and watch a movie together without this pressure. And so it can rebuild trust and it can really be not a permanent solution, clearly, but just a nice way to start to reframe things for people. Yeah, that makes so much sense. My friend Gina calls this Tune Up Tuesday, by the way. And so you guys can all <laughs> take that on because maybe you're busy on Friday out with friends, but you could use Tune Up Tuesday <laughs> and tune your relationship up. And we've I've learned from other guests that have come on the show that... Um, you know, it sort of can be like a bit of a use it or lose it. So if you want your vaginal tissues to be healthy and to work well and to, you know, to serve you later in life so you're not getting things like urinary tract infections and other problems that you you, you do want to you, you do want to keep your sexual organs intact. So this leads me to like, how do and I love the way you suggested that you, you communicate with your partner and you set something up. What are other tools? Communication is the first step. What are other tools to reignite libido in a long term relationship? Do you recommend novelty? novelty. Okay, let's get novelty. into no novelty. So we're we talking like novelty. sex Women toys, vibrators. What are we talking? Yep. Vibrators, you know, opening your mind to different possibilities. So there's, you know, the, the world of erotica and fantasy and all that stuff. That's come a long way from our mother's generation. Um, there's a lot of great stuff out there that can feel comfortable for people. Um, Demi Moore did this fantastic um, podcast and I'm completely blanking on the name right now, but I can get it for you. And she, her voice in it is so amazing. And it is about, she is, um, she runs her own podcast where she listens to women tell her all their deepest, darkest sexual fantasies. And when she's not doing that, she has this other life that she kind of leads. So it's this beautiful mix between, um, you know, some, some erotica with some fantastic storytelling and who doesn't love Demi Moore, right? So like you could listen to that on your ride home from work and you might walk in the door really ready for sex. Like <laughs> women, <laughs> women need actually to get aroused before they have desire. That's what's called responsive desire, unlike a man who has a spontaneous desire. So this responsive desire is what women have to sort of be comfortable with, right? That like they might actually have to invest a little bit upfront. So that might be, you know, listening to some audio erotica in your car or, you know, buying some fun sex toys or trying out a new lube or, you know, just, you know, leaving the house with your partner, maybe spend the hundred dollars you're going to spend on dinner. Maybe go like stay at a hotel for the night instead and like bring some wine and cheese with you, right? Like yep. all of those things can be really fun. And just get a woman out of that routine where she feels that pressure to do everything but sex. Right. I, lo I love all of these suggestions. And, you know, other women who've come on the show have talked about things like sex toys. And I had Tracy Cox uh, come on, who is a, a sex expert. She's written 17 books on sex. She came on to talk about her, her book, uh, Great Sex After 50, How to Age Proof Your Libido and Transform Your Sex Life. And she shared on the show that no woman over 50 should consider having sex without lube. <laughs> so I'm going to say, you know, go get yourself some. Ask your girlfriends what they're using. I can highly recommend uh, a wonderful uh, plant-based organic uh, lube that a woman who came on my show uh, created. Her name is Christine Marie Mason. She is the founder of Rosebud Woman, which is um, organic plant-based uh, luxury products for 
uh, intimate skincare. And she's got a product called the Honor Balm, which is absolutely amazing. And I recently said to a friend that the first time I used it, my husband was like, what is this magical substance? <laughs> and so I'm putting that out into the universe. Other people should consider going. This is not an ad, but I, I love that product. And I, I want to I want to share that. Um, you know, there's Jack- so much to try. There's like, there's so many fun things on the market now that I think women should open their minds to. And, and I mean, there, and coconut oil is my personal favorite. And you might just have that in your pantry. Coconut oil, like is not as drippy as lube and it's ve- doubles as a vaginal moisturizer. And it also has some natural mm-hmm. anti-yeast properties, which, you know, who doesn't love that? So, so smart. So smart. So Jackie, I want to, I want to shift gears for a minute and ask you a little bit more about electro health, which we've referred to, because I know that they offer, um, you know, education, they offer community, but you also offer something called, which I love the name of the Menomorphosis Program, uh, which is, you know, walk us through what that is. This is, is it education and access to telemedicine? Tell us how this works. Great. So yeah, so Electra Health, um, we, we've built kind of our programs on, you know, three pillars, which is um, which is content, right? Education. And so metamorphosis, one of the first things that a woman does when she enters this metamorphosis program, which is a digital health program, is she has access to what we call meno 101, right? Which is basically your primer on all things menopause. We make it fun. We make it, you know, bright and colorful. It is, you know, a joy to read. I mean, even providers I know, you know, read through it and say that they've learned something and they just love how this information was presented in a way that doesn't feel teachy or preachy, but rather giving women the information they need in order to be prepared for this phase of life. Really, a lot of this is preparation. Um, And then there's the community aspect. Women in this, you know, the demographic, whether it's with sexual health or just general menopausal concerns, this is something that every woman or person with ovaries will experience in her lifetime. This is not a niche group of people. And yet we all feel like we're going through it alone. And that it should never, that should not be the case. Um, and it doesn't have to be the case. And so Electra's community um, is a place to share ideas, to get information, to, to you know, to commiserate be it, or just, just to share wins. Like we want to rebrand menopause as just a portal to the next phase of your life and not this loss of, you know, fertility that sort of, you know, the conventional medical system has, has made us believe up until this point, like we we're going to just, you know, throw that notion out and, and really celebrate this time. And so the community feed and the activity feed, the engagement feed is really a place to do that. Um, on that, you know, to that topic, the, the platform allows access to experts. So our founding physician, Anna Barbieri, is a you know, board-certified OBGYN, and she's also um, fellowship-trained in integrative medicine. So we do, you know, not just talk about hormones, although, you know, certainly that's a major topic. We, you know, give women the full, you know, scope of what is available to them to manage their menopause transition the way that they want to. Um, And we have fun expert-led events. We bring on experts, you know, from different fields as well to, you know, to give little talks. And so it's a really fun, it's a really fun place to be, Metamorphosis. And for women who want to go deeper and really start to work on some of their um, goals around menopause, so be it weight loss or sleeping better or incorporating daily exercise or dietary changes, like whatever their their thing is that they want to work on, we give them access to 
um, to coaches, to sort of to guides. And we like to think of them as menopause doulas in a way, because they're really helping um, as a partner to have women, you know, not understand what their goals are first, how to achieve them and to stay with them over time as these goals change, as their bodies change. And as, you know, we all know menopause is up to a 10 year transition in some women. So what is bothering you today may not be the same thing that bothers you in a year. So we really want to be there for women throughout this, this, you know, whole trajectory of time. Right. And you touched on something, you know, the, the transition itself could take a decade, but then you're postmenopausal for the rest of your life. And, and I, I, you know, I think I've read that, you know, some things can sort of subside, like maybe some of the, the hormone transitions sort of settle down and you, you ease back into things, but, but things like, um, you know, vaginal dryness and, and, and painful sex can be something that lasts forever unless you manage it. So this is something that I want to ask you about. You, you, you share it on our pre-call that, uh, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, dry vagina and I joke, I say it all the time, but that painful sex can be more than simple, simply vaginal dryness. What are other causes and watchouts that women should, should pay attention to? Yeah, I think we, you know, vaginal dryness is, you know, certainly the most common, but we've kind of been ignoring, and you touched on it too, um, the pelvic floor, right? The pelvic floor is super important, um, not only, you know, in and around the childbearing years, but also throughout the menopause transition, because the pelvic floor, for those who don't know, is a web of muscle and connective tissue and ligaments that cradle all of our pelvic organs. And so, you know, things like urinary symptoms, you know, frequency, urgency, leakage of urine, um, constipation, you know, rectal tissues are there as well. So we have to pay attention to our pelvic floor. Um, And so that is something that we certainly work with women on. I mean, for women who have not had vaginal births or never had children and haven't, you know, done their um, sort of due diligence to, you know, like prevent dryness. So maybe they didn't know, maybe they didn't use a vaginal moisturizer and now they're 60 and they're coming to me saying like, it really hurts down there and I can't get anything in. That's something, unfortunately, I do see a lot of. And so I will work with women um, not only to restore moisture levels and sometimes use topical vaginal estrogen there as well, but also like, you know, helping them get something inside. So I work with women to help get dilators inside or, um, you know, dildos in some case, um, and progressively work them back so that they can enjoy penetrative intercourse or penetration of any kind, or even just have a speculum exam sure, with their doctor. Right. Yeah, safely and, 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 you know, enjoy sex again. So that's, it's so uh, critically important. I did a wonderful show on the pelvic floor with a, um, a physical therapist, Patricia Lattice, and I literally titled it, Patricia Lattice wants you to pay attention to your pelvic floor. And Mm -hmm. we learned that it's more than just vaginal births, you know, something as simple as crossing your legs or playing a sport or maybe playing an instrument causes different alignments in your body. You really do need to pay attention to your pelvic floor and your entire pelvic canister for all the reasons that you outlined. So I think that it's it's uh, critically important. And the more we have conversations like this, the more that women educate themselves and, and, and share this information in one another. So I want everyone to go listen to the pelvic floor episode and I want you to pass it on to 10 girlfriends because we need to help, um, you know, educate each other and support each other. Jackie, our time is going to be wrapping up in a few minutes. But before we we uh, go, I want to ask you um, some quick speed round questions so we can get to some more good content. Are you up for it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So this is like a one or two word answer. If you feel inspired, a sentence. Okay. And I think I know the answer to this one already, but vaginal (laughs) creams, yes or no? A hard yes. Hard yes. 
Okay, the one product every woman needs for a pleasurable sex life. Coconut oil. Coconut oil. Okay, new to sex toys. Consider this toy as a baby step. Um, let me think about this one. New to sex toys. Um, well, this is not necessarily, a, it, is a, it is a toy, but it's not necessarily for pleasure. It was, it's for women who actually experience some pain with deeper penetration. Can I, can I throw that in the Yes, yeah, please. Okay. So this is something that I love for women who are having pain, um, not on entry, but one with, um, with deeper penetration. It's called the O-Nut. And it's this really fun, you know, these um, these silicone bands that actually the male partner can wear, and what it it actually prevents the whatever is penetrating from going too deep and either bumping into their cervix or bumping into scar tissue um, if they've had some sort of surgery, you know, hysterectomy or surgery for endometriosis. And women are just, you know, so in love with this, and it's so easy, and it's such a simple fix, and it really it changes, you know, the amount of pleasure a woman can experience if she's not having pain. Genius product, I love it. Uh, recommendation on a vibrator or where to go find, where to go find recommendations. Yeah. So, you know, long gone are the days where you had to like, you know, like walk into a sleazy sex shop (laughs) and, um, and, and, you know, look around. So I, I really do love the Dame vibrators. Um, and they are now available, I think, like in like all of these retail stores, right? Like even in like Sephora now. So I love that, um, you know, that the consumer market is embracing women's sexual health products on a more, you know, on a global scale. This is great. It's great news. Finally, finally. Okay. A a food aphrodisiac that really works. Um, Dark chocolate. (laughs) Yay. Okay. A menopause friendly food to add to your grocery cart. Um, Definitely flax seeds, but you have to grind them in order to sort of release the compounds, the phytoestrogens in them that can help, um, you know, with hot flashes and, and night sweats and things like that. And then keep them, you know, in your fridge so that they don't go bad. Awesome. Okay. Make this exercise part of your menopause care routine. Um, I, I make this exercise part of your menopause care routine. Um, I would say Kegels, but make sure you're doing them correctly because it is very easy to do a Kegel wrong. So if you have questions about how to do a Kegel properly, it's definitely worth a consultation with a pelvic floor physical therapist before you you do them wrong. Smart advice. Okay, last question. As I age, I feel... I actually feel more confident as I age because the more years that go by, the more I realize that I don't have to care as much about what other people think, <laughs> which is really nice at this point. I know aging is definitely liberating. So yes. it's so freeing. Thank you, Jackie. This has just been an incredible conversation. You shared so many great products and 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 resources and ideas. All of those are going to go into the show notes. And for listeners who are thinking, what's a show note? The show note is where I link out to products or recommendations that get made on the show. I have a complete transcript and I have a a recap of the episode. All of that can be found over on acertainagepod.com. All right, Jackie, before we say goodbye, how can our listeners find you and learn more about ElectroHealth and your metamorphosis program? Yeah. So we would love it, um, you know, for your listeners just to even just start on our website. So electrahealth.com. And on there, there's a ton of, you know, free 
content guides, you know, the 21st century guide to menopause is just there for anyone to use and to read. And it's just a great place to start to peak interest and get some, you know, really basic, you know, fundamental knowledge about what menopause and perimenopause are and what you can do about it. Um, and if someone has specific questions, they should absolutely, we encourage them to reach out to us at hello at electrahealth.com. And I'm going to jump in and say that Electra Health also has a fabulous free weekly newsletter that I think that you should add to your inbox because it comes with great menopause tips and, and uh, wonderful resources. So I'm going to throw that in there as well. Thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you, Katie. This has been fun. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women who are aging without apology. Join me next Monday when TV news anchor and author Tamson Fidel joins me to share ideas for thriving when a relationship ends. And before we say goodbye, I want to ask a favor. Please take a minute to rate or review the show over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. This is so easy to do. Find a certain age on your podcast app, scroll down to the bottom, and tap on the stars to rate. I think this episode deserves a five-star review. Or leave a written review. Both matter. Reviews and ratings help the show grow. Thank you so much. Your support means the world. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time. And until then, age boldly, beauties.